Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It is the 8th of December 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And we are happy to join you today. We're going to have an interesting show. We have, uh, we're going to be talking about what used to be the holy grail of search. Personalization and, uh, you know, the, the hyper, basically what has become Google's new hyper-personalization push. We have Brittany, Brittany Mueller from uh, Moz going to be joining us. We also have um, Kara Harshman. She wor- used to work with Optimizely. She's now working as a speaker and a journalist, uh, focusing on technology and search. And uh, I understand she did an amazing presentation at the most recent MozCon. Uh, Brittany and Kara are going to be joining us after first break. But Dave, it's been a uh, kind of interesting week. How you doing, bro? I am doing fantastic. And, uh, and how are you doing? You know what? I'm doing okay. It's uh, still working the shorter work weeks, but um, feeling stronger and healthier by the day. That is that is wonderful here. Well, you know what? You'll be happy to know, I guess, on this end, because in a misery loves company kind of way, I'm looking out the window right now. It is uh, cold as heck, and I, and I got snow. <laughs> looking yeah, out how much snow, snow do you guys got in Victoria where it never snows? Uh, you know, we've only got like on the ground right now, there's, there's literally like two inches of snow. Um, but being Victoria, that snow hit the ground while it was still just a little bit below zero, turned into ice, froze. And now there's like an inch of snow with a skating rink underneath it. (laughs) You know, I've been working the web for over 25 years and my very first web-based business was a cyber cafe located in a basement space on uh, Douglas Street, which is basically Main Street in Victoria. About 25 years ago, 2006, it was this massive snowstorm. And, uh, well, that pretty much, that was the beginning of the end for the underground on-ramp. But, um, yeah, I think it was the last time it actually snowed in Victoria. Yeah, it's about that. Like, we'll get, like, a little dusting that kind of pretends to settle in that's melting as it hits the ground, right? I'm sure you remember those. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that's about it. But we've had it for a couple of days. It'll be gone by the, uh, by the end of tomorrow. Um, the temperature goes back up above zero, um, or for our friends in the United States, back up above 32. Um, and then, uh, then it'll thaw. But, um, um, just a quick note that anybody living on the West Coast, including you and Mary, ought to be uh, paying attention to. You're under a tsunami warning right now, are you not? Uh, yeah, not that I know of. Probably, would, obviously not in our zone. earthquake in the Solomon Islands earlier today, and I ah. understand that the West Coast has had a tsunami warning uh, issued. That would make a lot of sense. That'll probably be up in the Tofino area where they're they're much more susceptible to them than we are here. Um, anyway, folks, you should pay attention to this, but you got at least an hour, so you know, keep listening to Webology. <laughs> Put your boots on, though. Okay. Um, what, what what news happened that you're uh, that you're interested in right now, Jim? Well, speaking of put your boots on, did you see the uh, piece in um, SE Roundtable today where Google's like, you can trust our webmaster advisories? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back, yes, I did. Back in 2014, uh, Barry Schwartz ran a poll in uh, Search Engine Roundtable, and his poll said that you know. Only 10% of webmasters uh, think Google is, you know, telling the truth. Um, and so, you know, I guess conversation in uh, one of John Mueller's Hangouts got around to, can we really trust Google's advisories if we're SEOs, or is Google trying to, you know, pull a fasty on us or something? And, you know, Mueller's saying, yeah, you can trust us. You can totally trust us. Um, I trust them. I honestly do. I trust them to do the very best they can for Google. What do you, what, what do you think? You know what? I, I completely agree. Um, 
And I think it used to not be as much this way. I think um, when we're dealing with Gary and we're dealing with John, um, as opposed to even, say, Matt. I mean, we all love Matt, but even, even compared to, say, Matt, I actually trust when they say something that they believe it is true. Now, it may be wrong, but that's not lying. <laughs> like when you say something and you're wrong, you're just wrong, but that's not a lie. Um, but I do trust that when they say something, they, they believe what they are saying is accurate. And I mean, you know, we can think of many examples. There's some tongue in cheek ones. I mean, you know, we got penguin rollouts. So let's ask Gary, right? Like, okay, just cause he was wrong. Doesn't mean he was lying. <laughs> he was saying over and over the wrong day that, that things would roll out. Um, but I think that is, is indeed the case. And I understand why we all thought they were lying to us previously. I think they were less honest, but truth is, I think in those days, their algorithm was not sophisticated to the degree it is now. I almost don't blame them. They really had to because SEOs were really tough to deal with (laughs) if you were Google, whereas now they've got a more sophisticated, um, algorithm that's much harder to game. Um, you know, I, I think any time they told us something, you knew it, I knew it. If there was anything that we could manipulate, as soon as they said it, we started salivating and chasing after it, right? So now that we can't do that so much and we just need to produce good quality content with, that acquires good solid links and social uh, or, or user signals, you know, I, I think they're able to be more honest with us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's true. SEOs at one time would try to manipulate virtually any information they get out of Google, and they still do. I think the real shift, at least around uh, John Mueller and the accuracy of his statements, is John answers really specific questions. And the answer he gives to any given question might not be the right answer for any, you know, for a similar question. He's looking at that particular issue. And, uh, you know, another reason is, let's face it, we still work in probably the world's largest knitting circle where, you know, people just make stuff up or they get, uh, I don't know, I'm not saying just make stuff up, but they get their impression of how Google must work, either through experience or assumption or whatever, and they write it up, it goes up on a blog post, and suddenly, boom, that's, that's, that's the canon, that's what people believe. Yeah. And it may or may not be true because, let's face it, most people at Google don't fully understand how Google works. Right. No, it's so, very you know, true. But you know what? He, he did a great job, to, to your point, did a great job. I, I had a question on AngularJS. Um, you know, I, I tweeted it out to him. He answered, you know, quickly and accurately. Um, and then I was actually able to verify once I knew that a video with him answering the, the same thing. I just hadn't seen the video and wouldn't have even know how to find it <laughs> until I knew the answer. Um, but there it was. So, um, if only there was an application you could use, you could just type something in and it would find what you were looking for. I know, I know they, they need to work on that, but it's funny. It's, it's like, you know what? It's, it's like the, how do I spell that? Go look it up in the dictionary. I <laughs> wouldn't have even known how to look it up until I knew the answer. Then I, once I knew the answer, I, I knew how to find this video, which was great because it's a 20 minute video that gets into a lot more detail um, on Angular JS for anybody who's interested. But anyway, it's John Mueller. It's on YouTube. Just look it up. But <laughs> um, all right, more. Uh, Do you remember the point? Remember the point yeah. I made a few seconds ago about uh, SEOs kind of either making stuff up or just going with some assumption, typing it up, and it becoming you know the canon thought that everyone believes in. Yeah. When I say to you, crawl budget, what, what, what do you think? You know, like Google has a specific crawl budget that you don't want to waste on, on bad pages in your site. What does that make you think? Um, you know, what? It, it's funny that as you're saying and the way you're framing the question, the first thing it makes me think of, and I know this is totally probably not where you're going and, and is wrong, uh, but I, I can't help but think of page rank sculpting. Like, yeah. I, I just can't help it. <laughs> but that's exactly where I was going, because as we know, that doesn't really make a difference now, or if it ever did, right? Right. Um, there was, there's this rumor out there that, again, uh, John Mueller is working hard to dispel, that Google only has so much energy for any given website, and after it expends that energy or crawl budget, it's going to sort of like uh, DDL to your site and go off somewhere else thing is, for the most part, that's completely not true. 
But webmasters are still like, you know, using no follows and closing off sections of their site, um, applying the wrong things in a, ro in a robot text file to try to manipulate, you know, where Googlebot does and doesn't go in their website. Not because they're trying to hide stuff from Google, but because they're trying to get their most important pages in, you know, spidered first before Google's quote unquote crawl budget is wasted. The thing is, if you got a normal sized website, like, honestly, Google's pretty fast and it's got unlimited amounts of energy. So, like, uh, the, the, the bottom line, crawl budget, don't worry about it. Once you, you need to get past, like, several thousand pages before you got to start worrying about something like that. Yeah, well, I agree. And any properly structured site with a, you know, a, a good, solid, healthy, normal um, internal linking profile, i.e. they're not all low-quality links jammed into your homepage, it is going to have that quote-unquote crawl budget, like let's, you know, the, the priority in which Google is going to give certain pages of your site. And from that aspect of crawl budget, I do fall under, right? Like they look at your site and go, some of these pages change more often and need to be, you know, reviewed more often. Um, you know, in, in that context, you know, you're fine. Just structure your site properly so that the priority is passing around properly. You know, acquire links to the, to the most important pages on your site. And your crawl budget, quote unquote, will just naturally work <laughs> because well, yeah, the prioritization it, 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 Google gives the pages is going to be correct. Exactly. And, and as a webmaster, you do have control over prioritizing in Google's eyes, like, you know, what is what should be crawled more frequently, daily, weekly, monthly, etc. Um, and also, uh, uh, like in the XML site map, I, I'm not really sure this makes a huge difference, but I do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can set the integer uh, for your priority. Um, I do too. I know. Do <laughs> you think it makes a difference, or are we just doing stuff? I think we're just doing stuff. Um, <laughs> Probably, but I can keep doing it anyway. It's, it's so easy that, yeah, you just do anyway, and, and there you go. What else? You know what? We've got time for one more, then we're going to have to bring Brittany and Cara on. So, uh, so, so what else you got? Um, all right. Let me just – I'm going through all my tabs. We, I'm sure you have the, the same thing going on here right now. Um, all right. I got one if you, if you don't mind me jumping in. Sure. No, go for it. This is more of a thank you than anything else, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if you noticed this yesterday, but um, we got mentioned in a uh, in a real nice list uh, at TechWise. Yeah, yeah. How exhaustive <laughs> was the research that needed to be done to produce yeah. that? I can only imagine the hours put in there. Well, a shout out to um, and I apologize if, if I get the name wrong, but a shout out to um, Aditha Murali. Um, from TechWise, uh, happens to be based in Toronto, so I actually can find this guy and go up for coffee with him one day. He produced a list of 121 free podcasts that will make you a successful marketer. Um, SEO 101 is in there, and Webcology is in there from Cranberry Radio. There's probably a few others, but, you know, we're in there with, like, Seth Godin and um, uh, uh, Mitch Joel from Six Degrees of Separation, so I'm... I'm we were number 21 on the list, and I'm awfully proud of the company we're keeping on this list. I know. I know. And it's, a, it's a great list. Like, I know I've got a bookmark now because I haven't had a chance to go through all 121 and check them out, but it is a really good, really thorough list. I'll be actually using it to, to find some new podcasts. Yeah, now, I mean, honest to goodness, I don't think I've even listened to all of our podcasts, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's exciting. I... Uh, it's an exciting movement in radio right now. Uh, I, I, I love where podcasting is going. Yeah. And on that, I'm afraid you all might love where this podcast is going because we got to go to break any second now. But we're coming back with like two really cool guests. Uh, Brittany Mueller from Moz and Kara uh, Harsham, um, speaker and uh, journalist focusing on technology and search. Both of them are coming on to talk about Again, what we've been calling for years the holy grail, hyper-personalization. But before we get to that, we got to get to some, you know, some old-fashioned, not-quite-so-personalized advertisements. So, friends, you are listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the 8th of December, 2016, and we're going to be back after these messages.
Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. For a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page, imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of action. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers. And engage with us anytime by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. So you can reach us before and after every program. Located on our new social shareable live streaming player. Access the new Cranberry Radio live stream player at our website, cranberry.fm. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to WebCology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 8th of December, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and we are joined by, with, with two great guests, uh, Brittany Mueller from Moz and Kara Harshman, formerly from Optimizely, now working as a speaker and journalist focusing on technology and search. And Brittany and Cara, welcome to Webcology. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, likewise. So happy to be on the show. Well, it's wonderful having you here and and, and uh, virtually meeting in this environment. Um, as I understand it, both of you have been, uh, like, like like most people involved in, uh, in search over the last few years, have been, like, seriously obsessed with personalization and the direction Google's going in to, you know, make search results that are specific to me or to Dave or to Brittany or, 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 or to Cara. Um, dealer's choice, where, where, where do you all want to go with this? I want to talk about personalization uh, specifically and uh, how Rank Brain and the you know, assumptions Google is learning to make about all of our behaviors is affecting search. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brittany, what, what are yeah. you all thinking up Moz about that? I think it's an awesome direction. You know, if you think of the overall user experience, it's a more positive experience. I want to look at results for my area, right? So all of that really comes into play and helps to provide just better results, better customization, and just an overall kind of enhanced experience. And I think it's only going to get better. One of the things that worries me, and, and, and perhaps, Kara, you could, you could address this, is how we used to have a common information set, you know, something that all of us around the world would see and the veracity of it would be true. We'd know it to be true. And now we have information made for, well, for me and for you and for the, the, the people next door. 
Uh, has that changed how people relate to information, Kara? Yeah, I actually think that personalization when it comes to search is a really weighty topic. It's a very complex issue that I think Google and Facebook and other big media providers that have search algorithms are really addressing head on right now, especially. Um, we've seen just even the other day, The Guardian ran a story about Google suggestions and how and Google was suggesting content that was completely false. And then Google went back and changed the algorithm to not show this content first or one in one of the first suggestions of the of the search. So I think that personalization can be extremely powerful in helping people, individuals find what they want to find with more ease and efficiency and and satisfy their need for quick information. But it's also really dangerous because you can prevent the people from learning about the world and from learning about things that kind of oppose their viewpoints. So I think it's a double-edged sword and it's, it's really important that we are talking about stuff like this. Yeah. I think Kara makes a really, really good point. It can get really, really dangerous. But I think where the marketing opportunity really lies is within individual websites. So how can you provide a very customized, tailored experience to who is visiting your site? How do you help them get that information quicker and provide just you know, unique information to an overall quicker online experience? And we're seeing that with mobile first. There is becoming more of a focus of speed and just overall personalization, I think. Yeah, you know, I do everything on my mobile device. Um, I'm, I'm almost at the point where I'm not scared to do banking on it. But um, <laughs> my mobile device follows me everywhere. I'm in Toronto right now, but I could be in Seattle tomorrow or um, New York the next day if the insurance companies will let me travel. Um, how will that kind of movement affect what's coming into, you know, into my, my, my Google searches. Hmm. Well, I think that it will start ranking sites that are, well, Google's already doing this, ranking sites that are more mobile friendly first. They're, if you're searching from your mobile, they know that you're in that context and they want to give you a better end-to-end -end experience. So I think this, the sites that are not prepared to deliver mobile optimized content are going to get shafted down to the bottom or the second page and the sites that are well suited for the mobile user will get ranked first. Yeah, I think I think that's really true. And I are you guys aware of Kate Morris? She's amazing and love speaks, Kate. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she's so great. I love Kate. Uh, but she she tells a really cool story about how she, when she was in Germany, she was shopping for furniture and she had filled her cart with all this different furniture from IKEA. And unfortunately, she comes back to the States only to realize that they don't offer it here. So I think, you know, websites and e-commerce specifically needs to be really mindful of what they're providing to the user. How are they looking at your location? Is it based on your browser? Is it based on your IP? All that stuff comes into play. So let's, I mean, this is a couple times through, through two questions. We ended up kind of on the, on the same idea and Carrie you you brought it up originally Brittany you've taken us there twice so let's let's talk about this um Carrie you brought up um in in the context of Google and it being kind of dangerous personalization because you can send out the wrong information now a couple times we've talked about some sort of problems but from our own site standpoint then let's look at it from from what we're doing and IKEA is a great example here how do we get a feel for what potential pitfalls are coming in if we're trying to, to put in personalization? How do I even look at my own site in a personalized world if I'm offering personalized um, sort of functions and features on it? How do I troubleshoot it? How do I know what to keep my eyes open for in a world where what I might be dealing with is different than somebody else? Right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think every site is dealing with this differently, and it depends on how far in you are into developing a personalization strategy for your website. So that's where I really know, that's where my expertise lies is in the actual on-site personalization, less in the Google side. Um, so what I've seen customers of Optimizely and in my own experience, what I've seen people do is start with pretty big personalized segments. So instead of 
making 25 different audiences that have very specific criteria, like a visitor from the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. visiting during the hours of 1 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m. sees this experience and then the rest, you know, it can get really complicated. And like, is a woman has X amount of income, you can get super granular with it. But that, I think, is a, a tr- tough territory to tread in early on in your personalization experience because you just you need to keep the 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 ball the the world open enough so people can surprise you. You don't want to pigeonhole them too much so you get them into very specific segments and then they are just they're there for life. You need to get make it wide enough so they can surprise you and um you can learn more about them and what they like as time goes on. So true. Kara, are you using a particular tool to do that? Well, I went at Optimizely, yes, we I would use Optimizely for it because right, they're right. delivering the experience. <laughs> Moving from testing into personalization, that's kind of the journey that we see companies taking. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think there's definitely many tools to do this and you need more than just Optimizely to fuel the personalized campaign because you need to be looking up the IP address to get into um, more firmographic targeting and things like this. But um, yeah, I was using mainly Optimizely. Well, you know what? I'm going to throw that same question back to Brittany. What do you What are you all at Moz doing about about uh, personalization, or advising your <laughs> advising your clients to do about personalization? Yeah, that's such a good question, and I think we have a little ways to go at Moz. I think that's a direction we've been trying really hard to go in, but with our variety of different products, it can be really, really hard. Uh, So, you know, it's hard for us to distinguish a Moz local customer from a Moz pro customer. So this is something we're kind of tinkering with and exploring. There's always been things on the table that I've tried to challenge as far as, you know, let's just test fingerprint tracking, you know, where you can track a user across multiple devices. Because we all know all day long we're switching from different devices. So if we can have a better understanding of how people are cross-device using our site, you know, where they're coming from, then we could provide a much richer experience. Uh, There was this new software that just came out that we explored a little bit. It's called Rockerbox. And I have no affiliation with it. This is just kind of a fun thing to, to mention. But what Rockerbox, you know, states that it does is it takes your traffic And it tells you the websites that your traffic visits before they get to your website and after. So it's a little creepy, but it essentially starts to paint a bigger picture, right? What is the mindset of that user? Where did they go if they didn't find what they were looking for on your site? And essentially, that's what Google's looking for with engagement metrics. You know, if someone didn't find what they were looking for on your site, where did they essentially find it? That's going to, you know, potentially rank above you. Okay, so like when I find out that my uh, users, that people who visit my website are coming from, say, Pornhub first, like sell right. really, really blue widgets. Right. That sounded funnier <laughs> in my head. Dave, I think you had a question. <laughs> We're talking about uh, a little bit about, about cross-device here. So that leads me to, to I think, uh, the next, well, sort of logical question, because we had a, an announcement earlier this week, or I guess you know we started noticing it a little bit ago, and we sort of really started seeing it rolling out, um, Google's new desktop search interface. Um, so now Google's changing what they're doing um, and the way they're displaying things. First, impa- or first impression seem to be, and, and certainly one of mine, but not only mine, um, that it's a lot more indicative of what we would expect to see on mobile or the tablet. What does this mean for, for the, the future of, of Google? What is this telling us about what's coming? Are we going to be seeing the desktop um, more and more resembling what we would expect to see on mobile? Why is that? Is it part of the, the mobile-first indexing issue? Why are they doing this? Hmm. Well, great question. I think we everyone could answer this question. Um, well, my first impulse is that it's just to be more pervasive, to be more a part of the everyday uh, verb of Googling and, and interacting with your computer and with, with the world via search um, to become more of like a, a lifestyle than just, oh, I want to know something on the internet. I want to know something, you know, I want to have it at my fingertips. And 
I don't know if this is true. This is just a question that I have, but I know that Facebook Messenger is really dominating in terms of messaging apps and and the data that they can pull from who you're talking to, what you're talking about. They're using all that information to to mark to target you with different ads. So maybe this is could be an ad play for Google. I don't know. This could be some way to get more in more specific data about about your usage and and a play for for better ad placement. But that's just so, I have no idea. That's true. Are you saying Google would make a decision purely based on its ability to increase their ad revenue? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> Who would have thought? You know what, that is one of the things I was noticing in the new layout. And I'm like, yeah, you put it in those boxes, and it's now taking up more real estate, and that's just giving a little less room for those typical organic. And we're seeing this move exactly. after move, right? Yeah. Just a little less organic, just a little less organic. They're creeping in more and more. <laughs> totally <laughs> creeping in. Yeah. Moonwalking their stuff right in there. Yeah. I think we also, you know, you have to remember that if Google can provide the best result possible in the quickest way possible, People are going to come back to Google faster, getting more eyes on Google, and that's exactly what they want. You know, and you, you're looking now at more drive-by searches. I think weather is something like 70 or 80% of users that search weather, it's just a drive-by search where they don't essentially click on anything on that SERP. They see the weather from their location, and they're done. Um, so you know, targeting more of those SERP features getting more inclusive in PAAs. I don't know if you guys saw that article Stat came out with recently. It's unreal. They basically break down the different SERP features that are out there right now and how PAA, so people also ask, they're kind of those accordion boxes that flow down and they're questions and answers. If you can solidify one of those questions and answer boxes for a PAA, that can be found on over 23 different search result pages, giving you tons of real estate for one SERP feature. So I think SEOs need to get a lot smarter in targeting, not just ranking for things, but really kind of nailing down the SERP feature opportunities. You know, Brittany, I can absolutely verify what you just said. I had one client who, uh, in, in the publishing realm, who you know, was working specifically for uh, Microsoft Text. And naturally, Microsoft Techs ask a whole bunch of questions. They were they were able to capture three of those. Um, you know, we answer your question instantly for you. And those pages were obviously the most trafficked pages in the entire website, driving up their um, overall overall traffic literally by hundreds of thousands every uh, of visitors every month. Wow. Now, unfortunately, not every website. Can get into that area. Um, can 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 actually is there to answer questions. Um, think of um, Grandma Parker's Knitting Company, a company I just made up out of, out of my mind. Um, chances are they're not going to be answering a lot of questions. They their 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 users just want to know where to get knitting needles and wool. How would what would you suggest to them to get more visibility? Yeah. So. I've said this for a while now, but I think FAQ pages are gold. They are huge. And not only inclusive of the questions that you're currently aware of as far as what are people calling and asking you about your company or about your products, but actively going on the web and doing some keyword research, looking at, is it Answer the Public? That's a great website where it provides questions, like top questions that people are asking about a particular product or service and including that stuff into an FAQ page. And the more confident and the more succinct you can answer those things, the more likely that Google will pull from that. And I think there are opportunities for lower sites like that because if no one is answering a question on the web, you have a huge opportunity to potentially grab something like that. I've seen really low DAPA websites grab cert features that, you know, I would never expect. So I think there is a lot more opportunity for that than you might think. Okay, but a little research required. You actually have to go out right. and see if your competition is um, is, is <laughs> capable of answering those questions. Um, right. uh, Cara, do you have any advice for the, the smaller website owners? For me? From me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think what Brittany said is, is brilliant. Just do it better than your competition can. Spend more time on it. Um, try do bit better research and just and spend more time. Um, and let's see. 
I, I don't have anything off the top of my head right now for more for I mean I have lots of advice but with regards to this um I with regards to placing higher on SERP I I don't have anything off the top of my head no no worries we have to shift gears for a second and take a break here on Webcology I hope we can get you two to stick around for a few moments um, friends, you listen to Webcology on cranberry.fm. It's the 8th of December, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. We're joined by Kara Hartman and Brittany Mueller, and we're all going to be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 8th of December 2016 and we are rounding out our show with Brittany Mueller from Moz.org. I think it's Moz.com now, actually. I saw what you did there. And Kara Harshman, a... uh, Speaker and journalist focusing on uh, search and technology. Um, and uh, Brittany and Kara, I got a problem. So it's not really a problem. It's more of a blessing. But, you know, when you're in my world, blessings become problems. And so Danny Goodman, the, the, the legendary editor, Danny, Danny Goodman, writes me a couple of days ago and asked me to come up with like 750 words on the future of search in 2017. And all I could think about is content and narrative. But that's only three words. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it just strikes me, especially in a hyper-personalized world, and you know where we're wanting to answer as many questions as we possibly can, that I dislike the phrase content is king. Um, but you know, content has always been what gets, uh, what gets into the SERPs, and uh, content is what people are coming for. But after 2016, my gut tells me it's not as much of a content as it is narrative. We are all our own brands now, whether you're a massive business or a one-person shop. How do you capture a narrative that, you know, really relates to individuals but is written for everyone? 
that's a great question that I'm trying to figure this out as I've gone independent and have now doing my own thing and trying to break into journalism. Um, I think that my first instinct is to say, you need to find a niche. You need to find a specialty that you are, have a unique, you're uniquely poised to speak about. Even if you don't really give a crap about the thing, you need to go and find out what the angle is that is interesting to you and to make you want to write about it and to make you want to bring an authentic and real voice to it. Because uh, you can't be good at writing about everything. So I think you need to start to really develop your own narrative. Start by finding a, a specialty topic that you want to dig into. Yeah, I think that's, that's huge. Um, and to play off of that, niche angle, I think you need to give people options. You know, there's different use cases when you're consuming content. And I think all too often we're pigeonholing ourselves with just written blogs. Content can be in all sorts of forms. It can be slide shares, videos, audio, you know, podcasts, you name it. So I think being able to provide that niche content in a variety of different use cases where people can consume it however they want is huge. I can't even tell you the amount of qualified traffic I've been able to get in the past for medical clients on SlideShare on very complex medical topics because people find it way easier to consume that stuff on SlideShare. I would have never known that if we hadn't dabbled in the different forms of content. So I think playing off of that and just experimenting at what works. No, I'm going to... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say that's a great point to... First of all, find your niche and then diversify the ways you tell the stories about that topic. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's, actually, that's, that's an even better segue. <laughs> so, thanks. Uh, I mean, we, we, okay, so we've got a, a variety of different content types. We've got a variety of different query types. We've got a, a variety of different types of human beings. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about personalization. We're talking about content. We're talking about a, a variety of different things. So let's cover a, a question I, I, I've never actually heard discussed or, or even answered then is, is we've got fundamentally, and we touched on it earlier in the show, three different types of, of, of queries or, or resulting actions uh, of a query. We're going to have the, the sort of drive-by query we were talking about earlier, like weather, where the actual desired action, as far as Google's concerned, is nothing, like no action, because the, the query was answered properly then. You've got the high bounce queries, right? Like where somebody's run a thing, they've read the, the post, you know, the article on whatever they were looking for on the Wall Street Journal and hit their back button and now they've moved on to different things. And then you've got the high engagement queries where the metric that you're going to be looking for is, is or Google's going to be looking for is the high engagement. How do we understand what kind of query we're about to rank for on a people always ask or, or whatnot? How do we know those types? How do we help ourselves figure out what our metrics going to be for different queries or, or different, you know, requests from a user. And then on the, on our own sites, on the, how do we personalize the different content types um, to make sure that we're addressing our users properly so that they'll do the, the proper action. I mean, that might be a big, big question with a longer answer than we have time for, but what, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a doozy, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the first part of the question is how do you assign different goals for different pages that have different intent? Is that the question? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, let's start there. We'll start with that as question one. (laughs) Yeah, looking at your web pages, not all web pages are created equal. They don't all have the same uh, intended outcome of a visitor engaging. Um, You want a form page to be a real quick time on site to get you through, fill out the form and go to the thank you page. Then there's the gated content that's whatever that they're going to engage with. Um, So I think that maybe you just start with categorizing your different pages and making groups in uh, and making groups in Google Analytics, whatever your your platform is, to look at all your your website stuff to... um, understand how those different groups are performing instead of taking it as a one size fits all metric uh, for across the entire site. Cause that could be really misleading. I don't, I've never seen a company. I've never done that myself. Um, maybe Brittany has, but that, I think that's pretty advanced next level kind of analytics. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think, you know, my background and experience in this particular 
question instance would be just really trying to better understand the customer acquisition funnel. So when I was at Pride and we had medical clients, we realized that for, this is very strange, but for plastic surgery, people, you know, have five touch points on average with a website or with a clinic brand. And then right before they schedule a consultation, they only search for two things. And that is the procedure of their choice and price and the procedure and before and after photos. So once we figured that out, we could easily optimize that for our different clinics that were our clients, and we saw their consultations and bookings go through the roof. So I think just better understanding those touch points and better understanding what people are after and then simply optimizing for that better than your competitors will take you a really, really long way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's... it. Building on that, like you, you need to experiment with what the different, um, getting different types of going back to content narrative, kind of playing with those different snippets of of length of uh, form in different locations all around the site. So instead of um, just swapping out the actual headline of the content, actually changing the flow is exactly. a, yeah a great test. That's exactly it. And I think that's where like page sculpting can be so damn powerful because oftentimes your, you know, highest traffic pages aren't your highest converting. So that's where you can sort of take it upon yourself to create these sort of narratives throughout your website. Where's the next logical step and how can you place it in a way that's, you know, authentic and helpful? Yeah. User testing is insanely valuable in these situations. Mm -hmm. To get outside of your own head and outside of your own org and put it into the hands of the real humans using it. If I could jump in here, beyond Google Analytics and uh, the tools that you can get through Search Console, what tools do you use to um, you know check out what users are doing on on any given web page? Yeah, um, well, I think that any heat map is a really essential tool to have these days for making decisions on on-site optimizations. Um, Crazy Egg, Hot Jar, these two come to mind as uh, really robust analytics platforms to see where people are moving their mouse literally on your page. Where are they spending the most time? What what location in the vertical length has the highest? Uh, are, are they hovering over the most and as they scroll down? Are they even making it to the bottom of the page? So heat maps are one. Um, and then Heap, are you guys familiar with Heap? Mm-mm. No. This newer analytics platform, um, funny, a bunch of my friends are working there now, and they do sort of a, a storytelling style of analytics. So it's all retrogressive. So you can see from the beginning of time, you see all the events of any click or of any open, of any any single event that you want you can see with Heap. Um, And you can say people who clicked, show me all the people who clicked on the buy here button and then went to view the pricing page. So you can kind of create these narrative flows like we were talking about, Brittany, and you can can see how many people are actually executing on these narrative flows, on these click flows through the site. That's super interesting. I have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. The only other one I would add to that, too, is Lucky Orange. It's so amazing because it's almost like a doorbell. Like, you can, in live time, you can hear and watch someone on your site. For example, I saw someone, you know, a couple months ago who was, you know, mid-30s, male, Galveston, Texas, on his iPhone. And I could, you know, see the way that he was navigating a site. And it's really, really powerful. And the things that you learn from watching live users on your website can surpass Google Analytics and data that you would otherwise miss. So I, I know we're we're nearing the end here, and, and I mean, I, there's so many questions I could ask either one of you. We could do weeks of shows. Um, what I mean, in, in in closing, like when when we're looking ahead to to 2017, what is something we should all be looking at? And it can be related to SEO or just increasing our conversions, website health kind of stuff. What should we be looking at? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I would say in a high level, we should be looking at quality over quantity Mm -hmm. in 2017. Um, Narrowing the number of leads that we need to get 
and looking for the right customers instead of getting everyone to come check out our product or service. <laughs> Spending more time, it's like moving from a fishing with nets to fishing with spears, as they're saying. <laughs> fishing with laser beams. <laughs> What'd you say? Fishing laser with beam. laser beams. Yes, fishing with laser beams, very effective. <laughs> I think that's that's a really good point. And I think to play on top of that too, speed is everything. You know, that's why we're seeing AMP, that's why we're seeing progressive web apps, rel pre-render, rel prefetch, where it's instant caching on a mobile device. Google's gonna reward those of us that can really speed up a website and speed up a user experience. Okay. Well, Dave just asked the question, what should marketers be looking for? And I think this is probably the last one we're gonna be getting into, but Let's face it, like, I don't know anybody who thought 2016 was a particularly good year. <laughs> so I want to leave on sort of a more optimistic question. Kara uh, and Brittany, what are you looking forward to in the world of tech coming in 2017? I would say machine learning, both supervised and unsupervised for other purposes other than you know, we talk about it mostly with Rank Brain and Google's own algorithm, but machine learning, it can be simple. You can build it on your own computer. There's open source applications like TensorFlow and simple things that can be applied to, to help out, you know, suggested products. And it can be as simple as, you know, picking up on fraud on your website and you name it. I think integrating different types of machine learning into your own website is going to be so incredibly powerful for those who know how to use it. And that's the kind of stuff I get really excited about because there's so many applications. It's It can save lives. It can do all sorts of really, really powerful things in health. Um, and I'm just excited to see where that is going to go. Hmm. Well, beyond self-driving cars, I'm really excited about that, <laughs> yeah. um, which kind of goes into machine learning. Um, I think I'm, I'm excited about the way that media is reinventing itself in 2017 and the way that video is emerging, is conti continuing to be a powerhouse. Um, and these smaller, these smaller brands are coming out with really, really phenomenal content um, and being heard because they can be, because the internet is a platform for everyone. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I'm excited about. I think the, the innovations in media are, are something I'm going to be watching keenly. I love well, that. I, I think we all desperately hope 2017 is a uh, better and uh, better year for media than 2016 was. Yeah. We've got to wrap it there. We are fresh out of time. We have another show coming up after the news. So, Kara uh, Harshman, uh, journalist, speaker, and uh, technology and search expert, thank you so much. Brittany uh, Mueller from Moz, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much. This was awesome. Yeah, thank friends, you. So you. Have a great day. <laughs> Both of you too. And friends, you have been listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm on the uh, 8th of December, 2016. we got one more show coming up in the year, then um, we're going into Christmas break. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beatstock Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stick around. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 